everybody find out where they're going to be next week? If any of you need to know uh, a church where to go, uh, not only will Mark be at the Wadsworth Theater, but you can go on our website for a full list of partner churches and church plants. There's churches all over the city, and we hope that you get out there and bless another community, and then come right back here so that we can be part of the blessing together. Well, welcome to Christ and Culture Sunday. Now, some of you might be wondering, what is Christ and Culture Sunday? We know how we have Student Infusion Sunday, and it introduces you to some of our students, lets you hear a little bit about the ministry we're doing through and with them. We have Outreach Sunday, where we have some of our mission partners come in. We hear about what we're doing together in the city and around the world. And so likewise, we have Christ and Culture Sunday, a Sunday where we have the opportunity to share with you some of the things that we're doing through the entertainment ministry here at Bel Air Presbyterian. It's called The Beacon. And on a broader scale, even if you're not in the entertainment industry, this is a day that allows all of us to think together about what it means to be in this city, in Los Angeles, California, which is the media capital of the world. You know, when we think of media, TV, film, video games, music, we often think of influence. How is media shaping and influencing the world that we know? And how are we shaping and influencing culture? And when we think of influence, it's not a long way to go without thinking of significance. You know, so many times we can be so focused on our success stories that we forget to share our significant stories. So often we can be focused on somebody else's outwards display of success that we forget to notice the significance with which God has endowed each and every one of us for his kingdom's purpose. Today, you're going to hear from some people who are part of Beacon and its ministry. You're going to hear a little bit of how we're wrestling together with the responsibility and the opportunity that comes from being culture creators. You'll hear how we are learning to be in dialogue with culture, and you'll hear how we believe there are some amazing opportunities to share our faith, to give witness to our God through the culture that exists today. But even more importantly today, I hope that you will hear Christ's call upon your life because all of us are in spheres of influence in every vocation, in every school, in every neighborhood, on every street. Christ calls us unmistakably calls us to recognize our influence and to use it for his sake. Which brings us back to this morning's scripture and these words from Jesus here on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, in describing the influence of his disciples, the way that people that follow Jesus will shape and affect their environments, he picks two images, salt and light. Why? I mean, out of all of the gazillions of things that Jesus could have picked, why did he pick salt and light? Why didn't he say you are the copper of the earth? Why didn't he say you are the people of the corn? Why did he pick these images? Why are we these things? Because we are in relationship with him. 
You know, I've heard the phrase, the salt of the earth, probably throughout my life. It's something that my mom used to say about people, but I don't think I ever knew what it meant. I don't think I ever really stopped and thought about what salt of the earth means. And I did do some research for today, so I stopped and thought about it. And, and what I found is that if you Google the word salt, you will get an enormous list of all of the places where salt is, all of the things that salt does, all of the ways salt has affected history. For example, did you know that Roman soldiers used to be paid in salt because salt is so valuable? The Latin word salarium has to do with wages and soldiers and salt, and it's where we get our word salary. So if somebody tries to pay you with salt, it's a recognition of your value, not a sign of an impending budget crisis. <laughs> Take it as a compliment. Jesus knew absolutely everything there was to know about salt when he picked this image to describe his followers. Of all of the meanings, of all of the nuances, the depth and breadth that we could take this image, I'm going to boil it down for three things for us to take a look at today. The ability of salt to preserve, the association of salt with purity, and the ability of salt to promote balance. Well, preservation. Salt as a preservative. If you add salt to meat, it will keep the meat, preserve it. Salt doesn't save the meat, but it makes it edible for a much longer period of time. Do you know that God is more committed to preserving what he has created than Satan is committed to corrupting it? Salt is associated with God's ability and intention to preserve. So if we are salt, what is God preserving through us? Well, let's think about it this way. Think about a piece of meat without or before refrigeration, with no salt. It will putrefy within a short amount of time because of the bacteria that's in the meat. If you have meat, you have bacteria, and the bacteria will multiply. But if you rub salt into that piece of meat, cure the meat, it will last a much longer time. The more salt, the longer it'll last. There are logs of sailing ships from hundreds of years ago that record journeys in excess of 100 days where the crews subsisted primarily on salted meat, pork, and fish. Well, if this still isn't quite clear, try this as an experiment. Go home, take out a piece of raw meat, don't salt it, and put it on your countertop and leave it there. Leave it there for like three and a half months, okay? I mean, it's an experiment. And then get back to me and let me know how it tastes if you're still able to enter your home. And now I want you to imagine this city as that piece of meat that you have back at home on your kitchen countertop. This city is innately filled with stuff that will corrupt it, that will cause it to decay. It's just there. And now I want you to imagine this city with no salt to preserve it. How fast will it decay? How fast will all that is good and nutritious and meant to feed the body be swallowed up? 
Both as a pastor and as a talent agent, I meet people all the time, and I know you do too. People who feel they are on the brink of being swallowed up. So many times, the circumstances of this city, it's a hard city to live in. It can be an unsavory city to live in. And sometimes people feel that they're ready to admit defeat, head out of town, go home if home's not here, and if home is here, then to find a better sky, a bluer sky. Do you know how many times a word of hope, an act of kindness, the compassion to care has significantly changed someone's journey? And not just from me or Russ as an elder, but more often and more significantly from you. Your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and generosity are preserving the lives of people who God intends to use for His purpose in this city. You are having a preserving influence. And now I want you to imagine culture, arts and entertainment, much of which originates here in LA and is exported around the world. Imagine culture as that piece of meat laying on your kitchen countertop. You know, there are a lot of things in culture that not only taste bad, but that will make you sick. You see, our enemy has plans for how he'd like to use culture. He'd like to use it to deceive us about truth, use it to deaden us to the glory of God, use it to darken our hearts and minds so much that the image of God in us becomes almost unrecognizable. But God, through us, through culture, is preserving something far more powerful. Salt is a preservative. Salt is also associated with the ability to purify, with the characteristics of purity. From earliest biblical records, salt is associated with God. God wants us to draw this corollary of salt and holiness. God's holiness and his intentions are actually spoken of in a covenant of salt that God made with David. If you, you will find that in the Bible, a covenant of salt that God meant as an image to show how permanent and lasting and enduring that relationship would be. But even before David, way back when, when God was speaking to this little baby nation, Israel, speaking through Moses about how this people should be in relationship with God, how they would know him and how they should worship him, salt is mentioned. It's in Leviticus where we hear that salt is part of the grain offering that God required of his people. Leviticus 2.13 says, season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all of your offerings. It's in Leviticus where we hear that there are certain recipes given for grain offerings. There were certain ingredients that could be switched up or alternated at the discretion of the worshiper, but there were two things that Scripture was absolutely clear on. One thing that was forbidden and one that was required. Who knows what the one forbidden ingredient is? Yeast. Leaven. 
Leaven is associated with corruption and sin, and it could not be part of anything that was offered to God. Guess what the required ingredient is? Salt. Salt is associated with God's purity, with his holiness and his righteousness, and sprinkling that offering with salt is offering that to a holy God. In Eugene Peterson, uh, his translation of the Bible, which is called The Message, he translates this verse in Matthew this way. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? How will people taste godliness without our seasoning? You know, I've worked as a talent agent for about 18 years. For those of you that haven't met me or that I haven't gotten to know yet, I wear two hats, one in ministry and one in the entertainment industry. And as a talent agent, uh, over the many years, a lot of the actors that I represent have come to know that I love and follow Jesus with all my heart. Every once in a while, I receive what we in the biz know as the phone call. It usually happens earlier in the morning, early in the day, almost always comes from someone that, uh, that I love and care about and that I've poured my life and resources into, and the phone call is, hey, I'd like to come and talk to you in person today. And our little agent brains hear, hey, I'm going to come in and drop you today. And so I, I get that phone call every now and then, we all do, uh, and I steal myself to meet with this person whom I love and whom I'm going to miss and, and kind of get ready for this conversation that they graciously want to have. But every once in a while, something very different happens. Every once in a while, an actor will come in and say, I needed to see you in person today because I have to get something off my chest. I need to tell you about something that I'm not altogether proud of and it's a burden to me and it's a way that they don't know it, but it's a confession. And they're coming to see me not because I'm their agent and it's affecting their work. They're coming to see me because I'm one of the only Christians that they know and it's affecting their life. I know that all of you know what these conversations are. You see, sometimes as Christians, and particularly as Christians in the industry, we start to feel that we're having no influence at all, that we have no significance here, that if we were gone, no one would notice. I beg to differ. God is using our salt seasoning. I think it's more apparent than we realize to others. You see, it's God's holiness, his righteousness, his truth, his taste that pervades us. Every once in a while, there are people here in LA that wake up to a desperate need of unburdening themselves, of having an assurance of pardon, of being loved unconditionally and having forgiveness extended to them. And sometimes these children of God draw close to us because we know the way and the one that they are hungering and thirsting for. God uses us to draw people, salt draws people. They are drawn to him 
And we have a purifying aspect in this city, in this culture. And the last thing I want to say about salt is that it promotes balance in the body. Salt regulates the absorption of water. It's because of salt that our bodies can be hydrated. Now, maybe it's just me, but when you stop and think that Jesus identifies himself as the living water, and Jesus identifies us as the salt of the earth, that blows me away. What an image of Jesus working through us to be absorbed in this city and this culture, to be used to promote health and healing and balance. In every environment that we are in, God will use us to preserve, to purify, and to promote health and balance. I'd like to introduce you to a few people from Beacon and its ministry. I want you to listen for how you hear salt seasoning working its way through them. here I thought I'm gonna seek acting and I'm gonna I'm gonna be professional and I'm gonna have my faith as very private and personal God immediately washed that out it was if you're gonna do this you're gonna have me as a part of this and I'm gonna be in charge of this you're not in charge of this I led you out here um, so therefore be a part of this and therefore find value in what your work because I'm in the work. It's only been in the last few years that there have been hundreds of people pouring into Hollywood saying, I'm a media missionary. I, I want to use the media to preach. I want to use the media to teach. I want to impact the media. We have people uh, from our church who are in the trenches, who are doing their ministry and mission work every day by holding a boom on a set or doing makeup or writing or directing, uh, all those different levels. Well, those people uh, need to be given uh, strength, they need to be given education, they need to be given support. And we have an opportunity to be on the forefront of shaping the thought of those people. We have an opportunity to be on the forefront to sort of be that voice of what that looks like to integrate your faith with your work. My journey from success to significance came from a year of prayer, asking God to show me where exactly He wanted me, and reading the book Good to Great which showed me that I can be good at acting, but I can be great at teaching. We have to use the God-given gifts by sharing and welcoming and including, and not I include you out, but I include you in. You are a part of my life. I want to see that you carry the torch for the next generation. So now I teach full-time at drama at Lock 2 High School in Watts. I talk to my students about finding value and significance in themselves first and in the lives that they lead. Because most of them, I'd say, don't find significance or value in who they are. So therefore, gang life, drug abuse, crime, is, is the only option for them. They have nothing to lose. If you don't value your life, you have nothing to lose. So that's why those are great options for them. And so I try to tell them that, that they have value, um, great value, and that they are valuable to me 
They're valuable to our school and to the city, and we desperately need them. I mentor quite a few, uh, I used to say young people, but now I have some that are 50 and 60 years old that I mentor. Beacon gives me the knowledge, the information, and the focus to stay in, stay in the Word, to be able to go out and let others know that God is our leader, God is our creator, God is our maker, and what we do, we do because of Him, and we should glorify Him for everything we do. We're impacting the media that's influencing the world, and whatever part I can have, whether that's impacting the people or that's impacting the content, I pray, Lord, with each project, what do you want me to do on this project? What's your role here for me as a minister of the gospel? So much that is in that image of salt. How much more is in the metaphor of light? Now, don't worry, I'm not going to go through all of the properties of light, how it uh, uh, has visible and invisible properties from ultra ray to x-ray, uh, although that was really fun researching that. I'm not going to talk about how it can be reflected or refracted, although I guarantee you there's sermons in each of these, so we'll have to do a series on light. Rather, what I'd like to talk about today is focus. Focus Unfocus. Focus defined as a verb refers to the ability to adapt to the prevailing level of light and become able to see. Our eyes adapt to prevailing light. Our eyes can adjust to darkness. And we think we're seeing, but we're not seeing clearly. There are colors and shapes and textures that are in that picture, picture, but we just can't see it because there's not available light. Try this for me. Bob said no one would do it, but I just did it. If you're ever in a room with a, a dimmer switch and it's dark outside, turn it all the way down so that there's no light in the room. And then little by little, adjust that dimmer back up. See what you become aware of first. Is it color? Is it shape? Is it dimension? There's often so much more to a picture that God wants us to see, and all we need is more available light. Just this last week, a, com a company called Lytro, it's a company that specializes in photographic technology, announced the light field camera, which they say will revolutionize photography. By capturing more light, at the moment a photograph is taken, you can change the focus of the picture. Things in the background or the foreground, foreground, background, something that was out of focus can be brought into focus all after the picture is taken. They are heralding this as the camera that turns light into living pictures. And their slogan is, with a Lytro, you unleash the light. What if we unleashed our light? What if our light turned into living pictures that gave witness to our God? A revolution has occurred in Jesus Christ and we are the press release. We are the flash bulbs that lighten him. Are we able to change another person's focus Bring something from their background, something that's indiscernible in their picture into view for them? Maybe somebody is looking at a picture that is frozen in time, something that they wish they could forget or that they never had to look at again. 
Do we believe that our light in Christ can refocus what they are looking at? Eugene Peterson translates this verse in Matthew as, you are here to be light, bringing out God colors in the world. And I would add, God shapes and God dimensions and God textures. I want you to listen again to some people from Beacon. And listen to why we believe stories that are part of our culture are ways that God is using to bring God-colored light through us. Listen to some of the people who have started coming regularly to film night and how we think film can be used to refocus what we're looking at. We are people of faith and we have been, been given eyes to see clearly. Listen again. Jan and I take very seriously the, the command in Matthew 28 to reach the world. Uh, and God has such creative ways of doing things. Paul would quote from the poets of the people that he was talking to. That was Paul's way of telling them that my God isn't just in my culture or my subculture, but he's in all of our cultures. Uh, if we're going to take the gospel to the whole world, we need to speak the language. And film is one of the languages of our culture. We're looking at a culture all over the world that is consuming media at a with a voracious appetite and if you're not a culture creator you're a culture consumer and you need to learn how to integrate dialogue your faith and interact with sto the stories the stories that are being told and how important storytelling is in our lives it gives us role models it gives us creativity and of course in the commercial world we see that entertainment is very much centered around the very best story you, you can't do anything in life without uh, reflecting what goes on in our culture <clears throat> and the movie takes some element of that and puts it on the screen and we have a chance to respond. We have to be able to engage our culture at its core. The Beacon Film Nights provide a place for us to go and talk about film, to dig deeper into the themes and the ideas and how our faith is reflected in film. Uh, films are a great conversation starter because it's neutral territory. This isn't my film or my church's film. This is just a shared experience that uh, we've had. Well, I think Film Night begins discussions about faith because it, it, you, usually the movies that they choose pick up ideas that need to be shared with others. There are themes of redemption, there are morality, there are issues all throughout film and television that you can use as a jumping off point to dialogue with people, to get into meaningful conversations. My little part of being Bel Air and reaching the whole city, that idea that there's a way that I can reach this city too, is looking for the intersect between my story and someone else's. And as we begin to speak to one another about our stories, that there's an opportunity there to begin to speak hope and life to another person, to point them towards the person who is telling their story, the person of Jesus Christ. We are people of light, lifting ourselves to a God of light. And as we worship and serve him, he becomes more visible in this world. The person of Jesus Christ, our living God, is more visible. And as God becomes more visible to us, we also become more visible to each other. 
We can see each other more clearly, understand each other more fully, appreciate the shapes and sizes and colors of each other. Which brings us back to you. What is it that Jesus would have you know about being salt of the earth and the light of the world? In the text that we read this morning, the verses from Matthew, in the Greek, the pronouns for you are emphatic. In other words, it could have been read, you and you alone are the salt of the earth. You and you alone are the light of the world. That's why there's emphasis on us not losing our saltiness. There isn't another place to go for the seasoning. There isn't another source of light. We are it. You, all of us. You also need to hear that the pronouns for your, you are plural. So it's not so much the individual in the crowd that Jesus is addressing, but the crowd itself. Not an individual's influence, but a collective influence. If we asked somebody to pass the salt, we would be shocked if they passed us one grain of salt. Salt never comes as a tiny singular thing. It comes in mass to us. If we speak of light, we can't talk of our favorite color. We have to speak of a spectrum in which all colors are held. You see, Jesus chose these words, these images, salt and light, very carefully, very thoughtfully. We may not feel our influence as individuals, and that might be a good thing, but collectively, our influence is making a difference here in this city and here in culture. Salt works from the inside out. Light works from the outside in. Both always remain distinct from the environments in which they're introduced, a way of being in but not of, and yet both drastically influence and change their environments. Elihu Burritt was an American philanthropist and a Christian activist who was part of Abraham Lincoln's administration. Listen to what he had to say about the influence that you and I have. No human being can come into this world without increasing or diminishing the sum total of human happiness, not only of the present, but of every subsequent age of humanity. No one can detach himself from this connection. There is no sequestered spot in the universe no dark niche along the disk of non-existence to which he can retreat from his relation to others, where he can withdraw the influence of his existence upon the moral destiny of the world. Everywhere, his presence or absence will be felt. Everywhere, he will have companions who will be better or worse because of him. I believe that as Jesus said to us that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, that we will influence the world for the better. I think Jesus knew that. The people in the beacon and its ministry are committed to being salt and light in the entertainment industry, in the creation of culture. 
Just as we, as this church, are committed to being salt and light in this city, every one of us should be keenly aware of the influence we have on a moral destiny. I hoped that if you are part of the entertainment industry, that you've been encouraged to find out more about us. We're actually meeting today. If you are able to stay, we're meeting over in the Discipleship Center. Today would be a great day to introduce you to our ministry and a few more of the people and hear some of their stories. If you're not able to come, just fill out a card on the patio and we will get in touch with you. If you're in the entertainment industry, I hope that you've heard that we need your grain of salt if we're going to affect this piece of meat. I hope that if you are part of those who consume culture in LA, and that's pretty much everybody, the majority of us here, I hope that you've been encouraged to come to one of our film nights to hear how we're learning to share our faith, to give witness to our God through the culture that we have available to us. For example, you can start a conversation with somebody about God. You don't even have to start by asking, do they know where they're going to spend eternity? You can ask them what they saw over the weekend. That will open up a window into their worldview and what they're focused on. And if God is present and you can pray that he will be, they will dialogue with you about what you're focused on. If you want, you can come by the, the table on the patio. We have little cards for the beacon, some um, concise information. Whether or not you're in the industry or not, you know someone who is. You pass by someone, you are in community with people who are part of the entertainment industry, and we hope that you'll grab a handful of these cards and pass them out. Invite people to come up here and check out what we're doing. Most importantly today, if you've heard this message, I hope that you've been impacted by your impact. You and you alone are the salt of the earth. You and you alone are the light of the world. You and you collectively will influence every environment that you are in. May it be for the glory of Christ.